Welcome to Breaking Bread. Welcome to Fellowship in the Word with Minister Daniel Abola. Here is where you receive insights about God's Word that will stir you to action. Be blessed. But I want to welcome you to Breaking Bread. Welcome to Fellowship in the Word. Here is where you receive insights about God's Word that will stir you to action. Praise God. The emphasis on stirring you to action because the end goal you know, of Bible study, of meditating on the word of God, is that it beds faith in your heart, in your heart, and faith pushes you to work that which has been worked in your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we're continuing our Bible study on first Peter. Um I sh- I want to apologize Saturday's Bible study was not recorded. I wasn't able to record. I thought I was recording, but I don't know. So I'm going to do a recap, but it's going to be a quick recap. So just stay with me. I hope you are with your Bible. I hope you are with your writing material. Praise God. All right. So um, we started First Peter. We said it was... Apostle Peter's letter to pilgrims, uh, to the Gentiles that um, that were in Pontus and um, what's the name of the other place? Pontus, Benithia, Galatia, Cappadocia, and those places were called Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. The country called Turkey was that was the place that Peter wrote to. And so they were pilgrims, pilgrims meaning they were visitors in that land, and they were also Gentiles. All right. So he starts um, the letter that is in chapter one, chapter one. He starts it with a greeting, as they would usually do. Starts with a greeting in chapter one. Sorry, I'm trying to. Okay. Panamando, so brekete. Oh God, and Samuel. All right, he starts chapter one with a greeting. Um, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the full knowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit and the likes like that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, who has, you know, begotten you into an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled. Praise God. So, you know, as is the custom, a lot of admonition and all of those things. Then, so I'm just going to be picking out, you know, key points in the chapters. Verse 7, he talks about the genuineness of their faith. So he, like I said, the theme of the letter was that he was writing to them because they were being persecuted by unbelieving Gentiles. And the persecution this time around was not one of violence. Was not It wasn't life-threatening persecution like the early apostles faced. It was more about um, social discrimination, harassment. So I gave the example of how that um, probably when you had friends before you came to Christ and then you came to Christ and then, you know, there was just this divide, you know, 
they would tease you and all of those things. That was the kind of, you know, persecution. There was social discrimination. Um, they were denied, you know, a lot of privileges, human rights and all of those things. So um, he wrote to them because of because they were being grieved. And in verse 7, he says that the genuineness of your faith, I hope I can cover this thing, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I pick this because he starts to um, emphasize, or this is where he begins to talk about the issue on ground. And he talks about it with regards to their faith. He says here, or what he, what, what you deduce here was that he's telling them the trials are a test to your faith. The trials are a t- I hope you guys can hear me. He says the trials are a test to your faith. And what it is doing is like um, what fire does to gold, how that it purifies you know, it purifies gold. For those who know about, you know, um, how blacksmiths work, you know, to refine gold, to make it more pure, to make it, you know, have more shine. It is put through fire. So the shiniest um, metal or the shiniest piece is the one that has stayed in the fire the longest. And he's saying that uh, your faith being much more precious than gold because gold can perish. Praise God. Gold can be no more. He says, though it be tried by fire. So he's saying, your faith is more precious than gold. That even though it is tried by fire, you know, it is found even to much more praise and honor. It's, it's telling them in essence that your faith is one that cannot be killed. In fact, it is counterproductive for people to persecute you for your faith. Because the more they try to persecute you, it says it, it is found unto praise and honor. So it, it's like what they are trying to kill comes out even more the more they persecute you. Praise God. Let me run. Um, verse 10. Verse 10. He says of this salvation. So he was talking about um, salvation. Like I said, he preached the gospel to them. And I want you to... Take note of this, that whenever the apostles write to certain churches or people, let's say they want to correct some things, um, they want to rebuke, they want to edify, they usually start by preaching the gospel. They usually start by preaching the gospel. And so that's what Peter did here. He preached the gospel, talked about their salvation. He said, this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. And so he was telling them, this salvation you now have, this precious faith that you have received. He says, the prophets of old, those who talked about it, in the traditions of the Jews, those who talked about these things, they did not know what they were talking about. They did not know these things that you have now received. Praise God. It says, you know, as they wrote about it, they had no understanding of it. Verse 12 then says that, um, to them it was revealed, not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you 
by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. So nobody had, you know, an inkling into, into the wisdom of God. This is what um, the apostles called the mystery. Praise God. How that um, these things were concealed in the Old Testament. Those things that are concealed in the Old Testament are what, you know, scripture calls the mystery, the mystery of the kingdom. But now it, it has been revealed, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. It says, um, what's the scripture again? That um, the Spirit of God searches all things, even the deep things of God. Praise God. So these things have been revealed to us. There is no more mystery. Hallelujah. And so he talks about their faith. Then in verse 13, he says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Then he begins to talk about how they ought to live in response to the gospel. Praise God. So because of all this that has been done, start living like this. Start living like this. And this is um, this is how the apostles taught about conduct. Praise God. This is the example they um that we ought to follow as believers. Because you have the life of Christ, you are now encouraged to live it. Praise God. It's not going to be automatic. Like in um, Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 1, Paul urges the Ephesians, he says, as, dear, as little children, be imitators of God. Be like God. Praise God. Copy God. Hallelujah. Verse 15, he says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Hallelujah. Do you get the message now? It says, Because God is holy, you to be holy. Praise God. Remember, you have the power to be holy. Um, Verse 18, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of the Lamb, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hallelujah. I talked about this on Saturday, how that, you know, uh, we are not gold. It compares it to things like silver and gold. And we all, we all have um, an idea. We all know that these things can perish. These things are not everlasting. Hallelujah. It says, but you are redeemed by the precious blood of the lamb hallelujah praise god and this lamb of god is one that lives forever he's one that lives forever and so since you know you are redeemed by the lamb that lives forever you have assurance that you also live forever he talk, he also talks about the word how the word of god is incorruptible praise god he says you are born of an incorruptible seed Hallelujah. And he presents it like an anchor. Praise God. It's like an anchor. You know. Because you know this, you are assured. I would live forever. Because I, I because I have been bought by the precious blood of the Lamb, I am redeemed forever. Hallelujah. Alright, um, chapter two now. Praise God. Are we together? Please let me know. Can just type something in the chat box. All right. All right. So in chapter one, he talks, he talks about, you know, 
living like living like you are born again because you have you've heard the gospel live like it in chapter 2 he talks about you know the glory of god's people and our responsibility praise god chapter um chapter 2 from verse 1 he says therefore laying aside all malice all deceit hypocrisy envy and all evil speaking hallelujah so still on living like you are born again lay aside those things you can lay it aside you can lay it aside because you have the power to praise god praise god um verse 4 Let's jump to verse 4. These things I'm doing as a recap. So that's why I'm jumping. Verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Hallelujah. He's talking about Christ. He says, you also, verse 5, as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So he begins to talk about the glory that is revealed in the new creation. Praise God. He says, you are also a living stone. He first talked about Christ. How that Christ... Okay, we are reading um First Peter. We are on chapter 2 now, verse 4. So he, he first talked about Christ. How that... He was that rock, you know, um, it was written in the Old Testament that, uh, you know, God says, I would, I would raise in Zion a rock, a rock of stumbling, praise God. And he's talking about Christ. He says, he's that cornerstone that was rejected by men because he came, when he came to the earth, when he, when he walked on the earth, they didn't accept his ministry. Praise God. He says he was rejected by men, but indeed chosen by God and precious. He says, you also, you also are a living stone. Praise God. And he says something very interesting. You are being built up a spiritual house. Praise God. So he's saying that uh, we all, each and every one of us are living stones. The same way Christ was a living cornerstone. We are also living stones. And when we come together, we make up a spiritual habitation. Hallelujah. It says you are a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Hallelujah. I hope you're still with me. Verse 9. Let's jump to verse 9. Still talking about the glory in the new creation. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. Verse 10. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Hallelujah. Verse, um, I'm trying to jump. Verse 11 to 12. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, as abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Praise God. So having, having talked about um, who we are now in Christ, the glory that 
that is that is in us. How that we when we were in darkness before now we are light. Hallelujah. He's saying, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, you know, he was talking to them. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct tolerable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Hallelujah. So he's saying, Live in such a way that nobody can gainsay you. Nobody, nobody can speak anything against you. Verse 13. Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Hallelujah. Praise God. So he's giving them rules for conduct. Number one, they are in a strange land. Number two, they are being persecuted. And Paul's, Paul's um, you know, instruction to them is not to retaliate. It's not to flee. Praise God. He tells them, obey. Hallelujah. You know what? I'm going to show you something in, in chapter four when we get there. Something, you know, that will further buttress this this um point hallelujah um where are we jumping to now verse 19 it says for this is commendable if because of conscience towards god one endures grief suffering wrongfully hallelujah so he's talking about their persecutions now he is going a little deeper and he's saying that um let me read that in nlt shabadabadabada it says, for God is pleased with you when for the sake of your conscience, you patiently endure unfair treatment. Hallelujah. It says, of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for wrongdoing. But if you suffer for doing right and you are patient beneath the blows, God is pleased with you. Hallelujah. And I remember on Saturday, we talked about passions. We talked about passions. I don't think I'll be able to talk about it. And, you know, we talked about um, sufferings and how that Christ set an example for us. And I, remember, I said, if you indeed have been baptized into Christ, you have been baptized into his sufferings. You have been made to be a partaker of his sufferings. Hallelujah. It's not just the good stuff. It's not just redemption. It's not just righteousness. It's not just ministry. It is also suffering. Hallelujah. And Peter is revealing something, you know, very interesting here. He's saying, if you suffer for wrongdoing, praise God, and you are patient, God is pleased with you. God is pleased with you. And I remember saying also that it's not that God is a sadist. Or that he just loves it when, um, you know, believers are being persecuted or they suffer wrongdoing. I mean, if you go through church history, there is, I mean, there is, there was a lot of persecution. Before we got where we are, you know, the, um, the peace that we now enjoy, the privileges that we now have, some people worked it out with their own blood. People died for it. 
and it wasn't because God was a sadist or he just takes, you know, he just enjoys people suffering. Praise God. Scripture says that God is light and in him is no, you know, darkness or shadow of turning. God is not a creator of evil. Hallelujah. But the reason is that, you know, he says in chapter 2 verse 21, for to this you were called. It says you were called to this. What is this thing? Suffering to passions. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Hallelujah. And I talked about how that, you know, Christ, God, humbled himself to death on the cross. And in doing so, created a pattern for us to follow. And so this is the idea that if God can leave heaven, come to the earth and die for you. Praise God. He says when, when he was, verse 23 says, when he was reviled, he did not revile and return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And you know, the baffling thing is that Christ had all power in heaven and on earth. Hallelujah. So those that persecuted him, he could have easily done something about them. Hallelujah. He could, you know, he could be very creative, just snap his, his fingers and that would be the end of, you know, those trying to persecute him. But scripture says he laid down his life. He intentionally laid down. He surrendered. Praise God. So if God can come from heaven, come in the likeness of sinful flesh and die your death. What is, you know, small persecution that you cannot. I mean, Paul said in one place, you have not suffered. You have not suffered unto blood. There was a, um. In one of Paul's letters to um, the Corinthians, the second one, I think in chapter 11 or chapter 12, he was making boasts about his sufferings. Please, I want you to read it if you, if you can, or I, I will probably you read it. He was making boasts in his sufferings. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me not dwell too long on that. Um, chapter 3, let's go to chapter 3. Please, are you still with me? Just let me know. Pande Coparius. Type in the chat box. Somebody respond. Let me know if. Okay, awesome. Tabra show take it, take it, take a higher. All right. Chapter three. He then talks about submission and sufferings. So it is it's clear these guys are. You know, going through a lot of stuff, they are taking a lot from you know, the, they are the neighboring Gentiles and all of those things. And Peter's strategy is for them to submit. His strategy is for them to submit. Praise God. Verse one, he says, "Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands." That even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Hallelujah. It says, verse 2, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornments be merely outward. 
arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Praise God. You know, some people misinterpret this text and say, you know, Peter was saying they should not wear fine stuff. But you just miss you just miss the context when you say stuff like that. Last uh, um, week, okay, on Saturday, I talked about, you know, the historical context of the Bible. Praise God. There, there is a reason why, there is always a reason why the writer says something or why he says it the way he says it. Hallelujah. Understanding the historical context to a text helps you see things differently. In fact, I dare say it is 50% of Bible study. Because if you don't, the Bible was written for us, but not to us. Hallelujah. It wasn't written to us. So it wasn't written for our context. We are we are ages and millennia ab, you know, above this, their own context. Hallelujah. And so the reason why he said this was because he said, you know, he, he was giving it to them as, as a strategy. He's not saying something is wrong with wearing fine clothes, but he's saying that, um, if you have, he's talking to the wives here, he's talking to the wives here. He's saying, if you have husbands that are out of the faith, hallelujah, this is how you win them. He says that, so, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. It was, he was giving them strategy. Praise God. He says, don't let your adornment be merely outward. Don't let it be only outward. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is, which is very precious in the sight of God. That was what he meant. He's saying, you know, these people don't believe. Your husbands don't believe. How are you going to get them to believe? That was the context. Hallelujah. I hope you're still with me. Praise God. Um, Let's jump to verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted, be cautious, be courteous, sorry. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Praise God. So he's telling them, you don't fight evil with evil. This is how you will win. Praise God. This is how you will win. Fight the evil that they are doing against you with good. With good. And I gave us the historical um, background to it on, on Saturday. Do you know that because, because of this letter that Paul wrote to them, because they listened, the gospel gained ground in that city. Praise God. The gospel gained ground. Hallelujah. It gained ground. To the extent that it even attracted the emperor of Rome. It was it was so lavish that it attracted the emperor of Rome. And he was like, what's going on here? Praise God. Because the truth is, sometimes persecution 
is an opportunity for the gospel. Hallelujah. That is why he says, he says in some place, in I think in um, this chapter 3, that if you suffer persecution in the will of God, it means that, you know, the persecution that you are going through is not, it does not, it, it doesn't have, um, oh my God. It's not that it does not have a meaning. Praise God. There is a reason for it. And so when when we are, you know, just trying to bring ourselves out of it, we are not patient. We just miss an opportunity. Praise God. James said, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. I mean, not diverse, when you fall into trials and temptations. Hallelujah. Because it works patience in you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, Where are we jumping to now? Verse 14. Let's go to verse 14. It says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Hallelujah. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Hallelujah. And you know what you know what I see in all this is that to to someone outside, you know, outside of the faith, it won't make sense. I mean, it doesn't really make sense that when you are being persecuted, the answer to that persecution is to walk in love. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> and, and that's the wisdom of God for you. Because the devil thinks he's trying to kill your faith. He thinks he's trying to suffocate you. Praise God. But when you respond, you know, Jesus set this example for us. Responded in love, walked in love. Hallelujah. And when you respond this way, it has... It has the opposite effect. Hallelujah. It has the power to win people. It says, but sanctify the Lord. It says, um, if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. It says, do not be afraid of their threats. Don't be troubled, but sanctify. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Keep the Lord in your hearts. And he says, be ready to give a defense. A defense means an answer. Be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you. Praise God. And you, you know what I deduce from this? It is that, you know, when they see your conduct towards them, they will have questions. They will ask, what is the reason? Why are you guys like this? He says, be ready because that is the opportunity. Do you get it? Be ready to give an answer to to everyone who asks you who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready, have an answer for them. Praise God, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evil doers, hallelujah. Um where are we jumping to now? Tipo Rasto Shetepahaya. Alright. Okay, I think we can go to chapter four now. 
So this is where we are starting from chapter four. Saturday we did we uh, we covered chapter one to three. So we are on chapter four now. I'm going to take it one by one. So don't worry, we'll be out of here very soon. Emando separate fire. Shopoto. All right, ask your question. You can unmute. Nando Hi. To chat twelve. Okay. And I was a bit more how she just said that's why the spirit side is in and was talking about the mother and the baby. And what exactly showed what like Brackman's chance to see. Okay. All right, let's go there. Thank you. Thank you. First Peter three eighteen. It says, for Christ also suffered once, once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Hallelujah. By whom also, you know, by God also, he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Hallelujah. So this particular... um text here is making reference to particular scripture that was not included in the canon praise god do you get what i'm saying so he's quoting from scriptures that are not in the bible do you get what i'm saying do you get what Chema, can you hear me you can unmute oh, so that we're having a discussion okay so um, there are certain books, they are called Deuto, yeah, am I pronouncing it right? Deuto canonical books, like Deuta from Deuteronomy and then Deutero canonical books. They are books that were written by, um, so these are particular books that are still used in the Jewish Bible, but are not used in, um, the Christian Bible. Do you get what I'm saying? An example of it is the book of um what's the name of this guy that walked with God and then God took him? Uh someone remind me. What's his name? Enoch. Yeah. So there is a book of Enoch. Do you understand? And Peter Peter was a Jewish man. Do you get what I'm saying? Paul never quoted from these kinds of books. Yeah, hey, okay. Already knows knows about it. So there are many like like that. There is the Maccabees. There is um Daniel and um the Dragon. There are so many other books like that. But you know we don't use it in. It's not added to the Christian canon to the Christian Bible. Do you get what I'm saying? So because Peter was a Jewish man, he quoted from it. Do you get what I'm saying? So he was giving us insight into, I, I don't know, Jude. If you've read the book of Jude, you see that Jude also talks about certain strange things. And then you just realize that, oh, he's not quoting from the Christian Bible. He's quoting from other books that are not included in the canon. Do you get what I'm saying? So he was saying here that um, 
there were um, people in most especially under okay these ones were not even under any covenant do you get what i'm saying the covenant the old testament started from moses it started from moses you know from when he went up the mount and brought down the ten commandments and gave it to the people that was where the old you know covenant started from there are people that were not included in it do you get what I'm saying? There are people that are not included in it. So these are the people that he went, that Christ went to to preach to. Do you understand? So he's giving us insight. People during the time of Noah, they did not have, they did not hear the gospel. Even though, even though, um, scripture calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. You know, him telling them that if Lord was coming was a similitude of the gospel but they did not really say you get so he's giving us insight that christ went to preach to them also so that their souls will be saved do you get what i'm saying okay 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 all right um all right let's start with chapter four chapter four from verse one so we are taking it one one by one now, and we're going to be fast with it. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. He's telling you Christ suffered for us in the flesh. As a human, he suffered for us. As a human being, he suffered for us. Arm yourselves also with, this, with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now I want to explain what that statement means. It says what he who has suffered from who he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. It just means that um there is what suffering does to your mindset as a believer. Do you get what I'm saying? Because what suffering does, what persecution does is that it kills the flesh. Do you understand? It kills the flesh. And so it helps you stay more attuned to the will of God. Praise God. Because either you know it or not, the will of God is also in persecution. Do you get what I'm saying? So he says, he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. It it. It kills your flesh. Hallelujah. That he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men. This is verse 2. But for the will of God. Hallelujah. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. Hallelujah. When we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, you know, all of those things. He's saying... There was a time where you walked in the flesh and you walked in it enough. Praise God. Hallelujah. So what persecution does is that it, it tunes your will away from the flesh and tunes it to God. Hallelujah. Remember what he said in chapter 1 from verse 7 that the trial of your faith produces, you know, something more precious 
Hallelujah. What, what persecution does is that it brings out the genuineness of your faith. You thought you couldn't, you know, you thought you were going to break until you did not break. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 4. In regard to this, they think it is strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For, the re for this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead. Praise God. So he's saying that, you know, God on the last day is going to judge the living and the dead. So he's saying this is the reason why the gospel was also preached to those who are dead. That they may be judged according to the men, according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. So he's, he begins to talk about the last days. Hallelujah. He begins to talk about the last days. Our conduct in the last days. What should, what should their disposition be in the last days? I, I remember, I think, yeah, I did a teaching about the last days. I think um, last year, I think it's called Didasco. Please listen to it. It's, it's, a, it's a very urgent message. Hallelujah. Um, verse 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Hallelujah. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. You know, this is very interesting. So he's speaking to, you know, them regarding their conduct among themselves now. Among, you know, brethren in the faith. He says, be serious and watchful in prayers. One, have fervent Fervent love for, for one another. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Be ready to do good. Even to your own inconvenience. Be ready to do it. Hallelujah. Then he begins to talk about ministry. Praise God. Um, Bible's, uh, Bible class January is this Saturday. Um, guys, it's please. I use God to beg you. <laughs> I just got to beg you, don't miss it. Please invite people. Invite people. We're going to be talking about the Bible on ministry. The Bible on ministry. And it's kind of like, you know, a teaching regarding the theme of the year for breaking bread. It's a year of ministry for breaking bread. So please, please, I just got to beg you. I'm going to go in deep into a lot of these things. It says, um, verse 10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Praise God. So he's letting us know that, you know, each and every one of us has received a gift. And that gift, okay, let me not talk about it. Come on Saturday. Oh, go. It's, it's going to be amazing. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, 
that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Hallelujah. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Hallelujah. It says, count it joy that you get, you know, to partake of Christ's sufferings. Like I said, because we've been baptized into Christ, we've been baptized into his sufferings. It's, Jesus Christ said, he that is going to follow me, let him take up his cross. Not looking back. You're going to take up your cross. When I was talking about passions, I said that everyone might not necessarily be called to the same passions. For example, the apostles were called to die for Christ. Jesus told them. And they saw it as a privilege. Now, I'm, by the grace of God, I don't think... <laughs> I said by the grace of God for a reason. I don't think everyone is called <laughs> to die for Jesus. But if it comes to that point, what are you going to do? Praise God. Are you going to live? You know, there are some things that we don't really think about because we don't think we are ever going to find ourselves in that position. You know, I was talking to someone one time and I said, you know, gone to your head. They tell you to deny Jesus. What will you do? You know that in, you know, a few seconds, your life could end. It could end. So are you willing to, will you be willing to throw away your life in that instance and, you know, follow Jesus or will you deny him? And then he will, you know, like every Christian will say, ah, forget. I would, I would choose Jesus. Praise God. You don't know. <laughs> Have you seen a gun? <laughs> Have you seen a gun before? Praise God. The truth is, you won't know. Until you find yourself in that position. You will learn to. So we ought to have prepared our minds now. We ought to have prepared our minds now. I I just love the way Paul did ministry. He did ministry in such a way that it's not his, it's not his words that we challenge you. It's his actions. He took all of his wit and dogma and, you know, Applied it to ministry. Everything he knew, he used it for the gospel. Everything. Praise God. They came to him about three times and said, you know, you're going to Jerusalem. They're going to kill you there. They're, you're going to be arrested. You're going to be bound in chains. And he said, I know. And in fact, I'm ready to lay my life down for this message. Praise God. Now, that was someone of, you know, conviction. He was already ready. He says, I count, I count everything I have as loss. He already counted it, you know. He, he already counted everything loss before he got to the cross. Cross meaning, you know, his death. So he was already ready to die. He had already, you know, let go of everything. Praise God. He says, to the Philippians, I'm in a fix betwixt two. You know, to depart and be with Christ is far better. 
you know, it's good for me, but to, to, but to abide, you know, to stay with you for your progress and journey in faith is, is better for you. Hallelujah. That song, <laughs> he lived, the way he lived his life was very risky. <laughs> he, he didn't care about himself. Praise God. Just do not think it is strange concerning the fiery trial, which, which is to try you. As though, as though some, you know, some people, when bad things happen, you know, where is God? Some people, it's the opposite. They think, you know, what did I do to deserve this? You don't necessarily need to do something. Jesus said, says, in this life, you will have many troubles. Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, all those who would try to, you know, all those who would live a godly life will suffer persecution. It's going to come to you either you like it or not. It will find its way to you. Hallelujah. And that's no prophecy of doom. It says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is, is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. I want to show you something. Everybody go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. You know, sometimes when we read our Bibles, we read our Bibles with a bias, you know, and then we don't see some things that we are supposed to see. And because we don't see it the way we are supposed to see, we don't meditate on it the way we are supposed to meditate on it. Romans 8, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 17. It says, okay, from verse 16, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of, of God and joint heirs with Christ. Praise God. We are joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may be also, that we may also be glorified together. Praise God. We are heirs of, we are heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him. You have been called to suffer. Praise God. <laughs> you have been called to suffer. Hallelujah. You know, this is this is not your typical sermon in the body of Christ. It's not it's not something, you know, everybody's looking for miracles and breakthrough. That's why I said we have a bias. We already have a bias. Praise God. Are we together? Are you with me? Ten brothers, the show stick higher. Praise God. Let me know if you're with me. Lantarabakatash. Okay. Also. So, chapter four, we, I think we're rounding up. Um, but, okay. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, Verse 14, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Praise God. He's saying, do not suffer for your own wrongdoing. Do you get? Yet if anyone suffers as, as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let, but let him glorify God in this matter. See mindset. 
Let him glorify God. Let him thank God. You know, when you read the account of Job and all the things that, you know, happened to him and his family, when you when I read it, you it was a very clear case of village people because everything kept on happening, you know, right after the, the moment a servant comes and tells him this, this, the moment that one finishes, another one comes and tells him this, 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 this happened again. The moment that one finishes speaking, another one comes again or another one came again telling him this, 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 this. And scripture said, after Job heard all these things, he said he rent his clothes and worshipped. He rent his clothes and worshipped. Praise God. Um, verse 17, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, he was quoting a, a chapter, a verse in the Old Testament. Where would the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God. Praise God, know that your suffering always has a re There is always a reason. Whatever you're going through, praise God. I think I've said this before. We... Our passions are not the same. Passions mean suffering. Praise God. Especially in our context now. Nobody's going to bring a knife to your neck. Nobody's going to, you know, carry a gun to your head. I I, I pray. Praise God. So it's, it's going to be different because our culture is different. But it's still suffering nonetheless. It's, it, it may still, or it's still persecution nonetheless. Praise God. But know this, that there is always a reason. Praise God. It's not going to, it's not a waste. We are children of God. Nothing is going to happen. Nothing bad will happen to you just because. You know. Hallelujah. Chapter 5, the final chapter, we're almost done. says, the elders who are among you. So, he finished talking to the believers regarding how they ought to coordinate themselves among one another. Then he starts speaking to the elders in the church and, you know, the rest of the brethren. The elders who are among you, I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. I'm going to talk about this more on Saturday during Bible class. And verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Verse 5, Then he talks to, you know, the younger people in church. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Praise God. Verse 6, he's still talking to um, the younger people. He says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you also in due time. 
casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now pay attention. It says, Resist him steadfast in the faith. Steadfast in the faith. Know this. This is how we resist the devil. By being steadfast in the faith. Um, Ephesians chapter 6. Read up, you know, Paul talked about um, the armor of God. The armor of God is no... He says, put on the armor of God, not because you will fight. He says, that you may stand. So that you will stand. Praise God. I don't want us to go there so that we don't take more time. So we resist the devil by being steadfast in the faith. Bible class December, we, we you know, talked about rock. Please, if you've not listened to it, listen to it. Praise God. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's where the letter ends. Then, you know, um, verse 12 to verse 14, our final greetings, you know, by Silvanus. So this is Paul's letter, but it was Silvanus that wrote it. By Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly. I mean, this is what he considers briefly. Exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. Oh God, hallelujah. She who is in Babylon, you know, elect together with you. When he says she who is in Babylon, he was talking about the church that is in Babylon. Um, the Babylon of their time was Rome. Praise God. They were able to identify the Babylon of their time and it was Rome. You know what? Um, I said I was going to start a, a training for believers in February Please, I want you to anticipate it. We are going to do really amazing stuff. We are going to treat really amazing stuff. Um, I have plenty of things planned, which I will begin to share with you guys very soon. And aside from that, um, aside from the training, we are all going to, you know, have an online space. Do you understand what I'm saying? Breaking Bread is a teaching ministry, you know, and our vision is to make God's idea and his ways popular. Praise God. So it's not just for us. So we're going to take it out there also. Do you understand? We're going to see. I, I, I said this on Saturday. We're going to be doing about, you know, three projects this year. It's our year of ministry. So we're going to go out there. We're planting our feet. We're planting our feet. We're going to have, we're also going to have a secular expression. Breaking Bread is going to have a secular expression. That one is going to come later in the year. And I think, I think that's still the biggest project, you know. It's going to be huge. And by God's grace, you know, it's going to be fulfilled. So just keep that in mind. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you. And so does Mark, my son. 
greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And that is the book of First 